0: Welcome to Coffee Talk with Montessori Moms in the Wild. This is a segment where we will either circle back to a topic that we want to unpack some more, share something we're struggling with personally, or give you a little tip to support you through your Montessori journey at home, sometimes all of the above. If you're busy like us and only have a short amount of time to spare between school pickups, commuting to work, or just juggling the chaos of life in general, and you're looking for something short and sweet to listen to, these episodes are for you. All right, let's get into it. Hello, everyone. My name is Laura, and I have my Montessori training in elementary one and two, or lower and upper elementary, which covers ages six through 12. I am going to be tackling our first ever coffee talk topic today, and that is redirection, specifically in the first plano development ages zero through six. And even reaching a bit into the early second plane of development, like ages six to nine. I chose this topic because it's something that my husband and I struggle with and talk about pretty much every single day now that we have a fiercely smart and independent three nager in our house. And I figure we can't be the only ones out there who would like to chat about getting your kids to actually listen to you and how hard it is to change learned habits and language to do so. So I'm excited to get into that. But first, a word about the sponsors of today's Coffee Talk episode Wongo Puzzles.
1: Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo Puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, their eco friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wongo Puzzles a guilt free way to unwind. They are 100% wooden puzzles, they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. They have a really cool animal bundle that is so beautifully crafted. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are cut above the rest. I love doing the snow globe puzzle myself. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today and be sure to use the promo code Montessori Moms to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W O N G O Puzzles.com and use the code Montessori Moms to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Do it.
0: All right, welcome back. Okay, a couple of disclaimers first. It is so weird to be doing this solo right now. I don't have my partners in crime staring at me and nodding emphatically as I just like mumble on and on and on about nothing in particular. So this just is going to take some getting used to. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you for supporting me emotionally. I can feel your energy right now. (laughs) And secondly, this is not necessarily a heavily Montessori concept. Desen Maria's work was primarily focused on children in an educational setting. And we're talking about the home setting. So I'm not going to find a lot of direct quotes from Montessori handling what to do at dinner time or when you're out at the neighborhood playground and it's time to go home, which is kind of the scenarios that I'm more focused on this evening. But I will find a lot in her philosophy in terms of redirecting in the classroom. And as always, she would want us to observe first, see what is this behavior. Which innate human tendency is driving it, and then offer a lesson or a work in the classroom that can meet that need in a more productive way that feels fulfilling for the child. We have more than one episode dedicated to that concept of human tendencies, by the way. So if you're not familiar with those, feel free to check those out. So I want to remind you that human tendencies to move, to communicate, to experiment with the things in our environment, they're not bad or wrong, and there is nothing that we can do to stifle them. So, Why not take all those urges that we're dealing with in our young children every day and funnel them more purposefully? That's going to be the idea here in our way that we're approaching redirection. And I do want to say that on this topic, which maybe falls under this newer term of positive discipline uh, and this focus of how to handle redirecting at home still absolutely does fit into the philosophy and this umbrella of Montessori in terms of meeting kids where they're at scientifically and developmentally. This topic is very Montessori to me in the way that it considers those driving developmental needs in children of certain ages and meets them where they're at for a more productive and successful outcome for the adult and the child. Most importantly, the child. But let's be real, guys. We need some successful outcomes, too. You know what I mean? Okay. so redirection. Redirection is a tool. It will help to do exactly what I just said, which is funnel energy and developing skills into a more purposeful and gratifying experiences. It is also a way to avoid constantly saying no 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 and I'll talk more about why that's important and it's going to be a way to ensure that you're not constantly giving in to their wishes or behaviors that aren't desired or sustainable right okay? so there is a happy medium. A simple way for me to think about how to redirect in the first and early second planes of development is, turning a no into a yes. Now, notice that I said simple, not easy. Your knee-jerk reaction, or at least mine, is going to be that you want to quickly and clearly communicate whatever it is that needs to stop, right? Especially if it relates to the safety of the child. No, 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 no. Don't. Stop. We do this all the time. I do this all the time. So why wouldn't I just repeatedly tell my child no throughout the day when she's doing something incorrectly or unsafely? First and foremost, it simply doesn't work. Have you ever noticed that they do exactly what you just told them not to do? In fact, the more fervently that you advised against it, the more they need to do it. I cannot for the life of me find the exact source that I read this in, but I do remember once learning that our subconscious brain actually filters out the negatives like no and don't and hangs on to the rest of the statement, which can even happen as adults, even though we are slightly more developed in our self-control. Some of us, anyway. Don't know if I can say that I am, but I will, however, cite another scientifically backed reason not to be screaming no, don't, and even be careful all the time. And that's explained by the ladies of Big Little Feelings, which is that these tactics generally elicit a fear response. And fear is a terrible teacher. The brain actually has a way of shutting down the learning centers when it's afraid and feels unsafe. And so on top of having other negative side effects, this is exactly why we find ourselves confused as to how they didn't, quote, learn their lesson the last time. They're not learning at all when they're afraid. And yet another reason redirecting in a different way is important is that you don't want to desensitize them to the words no or stop. You want to keep the significance in those words so that when you use it in an actually serious situation, it gets their attention rather than being tuned out as something they constantly hear. What I really want to address right now, with all that being said, is that this approach is not going to create entitled little kids who can't handle hearing no. We're not going to have these special little snowflakes who can't function in the cruel world of rejection and denial. I feel like that's a huge misconception about the idea of turning a no into a yes. I am not telling you to just blindly say yes to everything your child desires. That is irresponsible. And Maria Montessori even states that this is a huge disservice to the child. So some tips that I have learned along the way. And again, this is a work in progress for probably everyone really, but definitely me. I will say that it helps to observe first if you can. Okay. I'm referring to non-dangerous, non-life-threatening situations, obviously more stuff like They're whacking the thing with a stick, not a person, right? Or they're just, you know, using a thing inappropriately. They're throwing something in a certain way, whatever it is. If you can observe it, try to figure out what is the desire that they have that you're seeing them playing out in this behavior and then funnel that energy into a safe and correct way to do it. And as you're redirecting, naming the desire that you're seeing and kind of putting some validation behind that is really helpful for the kid too. We talk a lot about the importance of being a sportscaster and just narrating what you're seeing and what's going on. And so this is part of that as well. I want to remind you that you get to hold the boundary. This thing has to stop. And if it doesn't, there will be a consequence. So You do have to clearly state what that logical consequence will be. If you've given a redirection and they're still ignoring you, you get to pull the plug. You are the adult. I want to remind you to choose a logical consequence. Notice I put a little emphasis on logical, meaning that this is something that is directly related to the behavior that you're redirecting and it will be enacted immediately. So for example, let's say Sally is at the playground. She's taking someone else's toys. Banning her from screen time that night after dinner doesn't work. Screens have nothing to do with what's happening in the playground. It is purely punitive, in no way connected to the behavior in that child's mind. And by the time it happens later that night, there's even less connection between the behavior, which feels like it happened a lifetime ago in a young child's mind, and this consequence that you're now following through with. Instead, pointing out that those toys are unavailable and Sally can choose something else to play with. And if she doesn't make a different choice, we can remind her that she can choose to give the toys back, where daddy will help move her body away from them. So you definitely want to preview in advance what this consequence is so that there are no surprises, even if you think it's obvious what the consequence would be. You want to stay calm and don't let yourself be overly emotional and don't let it become a power struggle. Getting a big reaction out of you, positive or negative, will fuel any behavior. It might even prompt them to try it again and again and again and see if they just keep getting that same big reaction each time. That becomes a very satisfying science experiment, which has nothing to do with your feelings in their mind. Expect that many children will need to test this consequence and see if you really mean it and if you mean it every time. So pick something that you can stick to and stay consistent about it. And lastly, I like to make sure that my wording includes something like, if you choose, you might notice in the Sally scenario, I said choose a couple of times because you want to remind them that they have a choice. Their behaviors, their actions are their choices. And if they mess up and a consequence needs to be enacted this time, they get to make a different choice next time. Okay. Now that I've said all of that, I will give some examples. I think to me, something that's really helpful is having some actual real world examples with some real words to put behind those examples. Just, you know, theory and ideology is great, but tell me what to do in the heat of the moment. So honestly, there are endless examples. And you know this, if you're a tired parent like me, I tried to pick a good handful of some super common kind of everyday situations that I find myself redirecting in, but please do feel free to reach out and message us if there is one in particular that you feel like you're dealing with and you're not really sure the best way to sort of reframe and redeliver your message. All right. One example would be no running, right? Those words come out of your mouth. No running. Stop running. Try instead walking feet. We're going to use walking feet on the sidewalk. If you choose to run into the street again, mommy will hold your hand to keep you near her body and keep you safe. Okay, so I gave that consequence before the child ran again. And I also reframed no running into what they can do. You can walk. I've turned the no into a yes. No, you can't run. Yes, you can walk. You can't draw on the table. Okay, no drawing on the table. What can you do? You can draw on this paper, you can draw on the whiteboard, whatever it is that they're supposed to be drawing on. If you choose to draw on the table again, mommy will put the markers away Then they give you a little grin, take off the cap of a marker and draw right on the table. Markers are going away. They can choose something else and they can throw a big fit. That's okay. They're allowed to be frustrated about it. They're not allowed to keep drawing on the table. Oh, this is one that happens all the time. Don't throw food on the floor. Instead of that, food stays on your plate. Your plate stays on the table. Tell them what they can do. What are you looking to see in the situation? If you choose to throw your food on the floor, mommy will hold your plate and help you eat. And let me tell you, if you have a super independent toddler who wants to do it themselves, that is like one of the most terrible consequences you could ever enact is I'll help you do it. You're showing me you need my help. Uh, Here's one that has newly entered my life now that I have a toddler and a baby. Let's say you find yourself saying something like, don't hit your brother. Instead, try gentle hands like this and show them exactly what you expect how can you touch the baby what is safe to do or you cannot hit this thing you cannot hit me you cannot hit the wall you can hit this pillow if you hit your brother or me or the wall again i will move his body my body your body whatever it is away to keep him safe me safe you safe whatever it is and in this same vein again i mentioned earlier is be careful which is extremely vague It doesn't actually tell them what they should be doing or why or how. Instead of just be careful on the steps, I might say something like, okay, we're going to be very careful on these stairs because we can fall on them and hurt our bodies. This is a big balance work. Check your body on the step. Are you near the edge? Hold on to that railing, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to tell her what I do want her to do. What would be safe behavior in that situation and why? Why are we being careful? we can fall. And so I mentioned that this is primarily going to appear in that first plane of development. But when I taught in a lower elementary classroom, so I had six through nine year olds, this was hugely helpful anytime that we were going to be doing any kind of transition that might've been a little bit out of the normal or something that just wasn't part of our normal routine. Like let's say we were going on a field trip, right? So like tension is Hi, The room is buzzing. Everybody is super jazzed to be going on this trip. We're breaking out. We're flying the coop. So we would sit down and do some field trip prep with these students and ask them to share with us what they thought the expectations would be. And so, of course, everybody raises their hand and starts saying, no, no running, no talking, no this, no that. And so we would encourage them all the time. Okay, instead of telling me what you aren't going to do, tell me what you are going to do. So we would have them be a part of the reframing. So if someone raised their hand and said no running, we would have them think about it and reframe it to we're going to walk. Or if someone said no talking, we'd reframe it and say we're going to raise our hand and only talk when the docent asks us to something like that. Because you'd be surprised how long you can spend with a group of kids talking about how we're not going to run when we get off the bus. And then that door opens and all 27 kids bolt for the door of the museum or wherever you're going. So instead of no, 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 don't, don't, don't tell them what we are going to do. And then in that case, you're most likely going to have like 25 kids who walk to the door and to that bolt anyway. So yeah, like I said, this list of examples goes on for what feels like an eternity The idea is that you're going to name what you're seeing. Right. And then some of those I kind of maybe left out. So like you can't draw on the table. I see that you want to make art right now. I see that you're enjoying art right now. You cannot draw on the table. You can draw on this paper. Right. So, again, I'm naming what I'm seeing. I'm validating it. I'm giving them a constructive and you know, more socially acceptable way to funnel that energy, to harness that skill, whatever it is they're interested in doing, because they're going to do it anyway. And then I'm making sure that they know that there is a consequence directly related to what they're doing and that I will follow through with it. So yeah, if you have young children, (laughs) chances are you are constantly redirecting them. And I'll be the first to admit we get tired, we run out of steam, we run out of patience, we fall back into old habits. It's okay. We're not going to break them or scar them beyond repair because we yelled no when we saw them spilling the milk on purpose. The point is, as always, just try to catch yourself where you can. Remember that this topic is important to you and why, and then work towards a place where you find that positive redirection starts to come just out of you naturally, which just requires a lot of practice. If Megan were here, I know that she would remind us of the importance of the preparation of the parent. So in this case, meaning if you have any brain cells left that you can commit to thinking about how you want to positively redirect during different scenarios in advance of the scenario, then that will actually help you to be more prepared and less emotional in the moment. I'm three years into being a parent and it is kind of starting to become my first reaction rather than my second or third. I find my brain digging up more patience to see what she's doing and why, and then forming the right wording around what I would rather see her doing. You got someone like Rachel who taught at the toddler level for years and years before having her own kids. She's got those positive redirecting skills down pat. So it's just a matter of practice and intention, and you've got to give yourself some grace and courtesy. Remember that this is hard, but it is worth it. All right. That is going to do it for me, folks. Thank you for joining me on this first ever Coffee Talk. If you listened to Confessions in the last episode, then you know that the name of this segment was actually inspired by an old SNL skit. So in honor of that, I will leave you to talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Strawberries. Neither straws nor berries. Discuss. Thanks for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you have a topic you're interested in, you can send us a request on Instagram at Montessori Moms in the Wild or email us at MontessoriMomsInTheWild@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you're enjoying these little tips, tricks, and coffee talk topics, please follow or leave us a review. Until next time, stay wild.